Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Ron Hunt. Ron is the Director of Business Development for Forum Mobility, a company working to make it realistic for fleets to achieve their zero emissions goals without having to build capital-intensive charging capabilities. So, Ron, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about your professional journey to this point, but maybe we start, for anybody that's joining us in the video version of this conversation, of that gorgeous picture behind you. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm based here in Southern California. Our corporate offices uh, for Forum Mobility are in Northern California, but this uh, rendering behind me is actually uh, going to be our first uh, site that will be opening in the port of Long Beach here in Southern California later this year. This will be our first charging depot that will be opened uh, right at the end of the 710 at the port of Long Beach at the entrance to the port of Long Beach. So we're very excited about that and we look forward to uh, showcasing this uh, depot throughout the course of the year. No, that's very exciting. Congrats on the expansion, especially into Long Beach. Tell me a little bit about your professional background. I actually come with a few decades of experience in logistics and trucking, uh, pretty much all facets of intermodal, um, excuse me, domestic uh, transportation and logistics. So we're talking about intermodal, we're talking about drayage, we're talking about warehouse and distribution, trucking, uh, all those facets. So uh, bringing that kind of a background has been really helpful for me and getting in front of customers who are mostly draymen and truckers so that I can bring my understanding to what they're dealing with to this new journey and transition into zero emissions, which I've been involved in this side of the industry now for um, over two years. Excellent. And, and it's interesting, you know, you talk about the transition. This is something most of our listeners are in procurement supply chain. We've been talking about emissions, sustainability, ESG, for years now with a lot of focus. And certainly everybody is excited about the promise, but there are also a lot of challenges associated with the transition. There are regulations, certainly costs, procurement never forgets about that. And then some of the engineering things that, that need to be worked out. But part of where all of that comes together is in working out a viable business model associated with all of this. What issues do you find fleet operators often run into when they are evaluating the transition to zero emissions vehicles? There's definitely a list uh, that we go through with customers. Um, usually customers come to me curiously interested in the trucks. Of course, that's ah, easy for them to show the most interest is yes. the trucks, how much they cost, how much they weigh, how far is the range, and how fast do they charge. I quickly let them know that I could give them a free truck that does everything they want it to do. And if they don't <laughs> have charging, 
and infrastructure for it that yeah. it's worthless. So let's really talk about the bigger elephant in the room and the really bigger challenge. So I start to immediately help them understand that, that that's where we need to start. I basically go from there through a checklist. Uh, and unfortunately, most carriers are not able to check the boxes needed to put their own charging on their own property. Um, because obviously there is not public infrastructure out there uh, to any degree for trucks. So that's what they're expected to do, basically, is to put their own chargers in. Now, the larger companies and carriers can manage to do that a lot of times, but uh, most of the smaller to midsize cannot check all the boxes, uh, which those boxes include things like needing to have ownership of the property or a very long-term lease on the property that they currently operate at in order to get the incentives and the return on investment that they're going to need. That box is usually the first one and it's usually very rarely checked and we're already kind of dead in the water but going through additional issues you know space constraints is a major one do they have the space for these chargers and the ingress egress and the construction that they'll be going through for a year or two uh dealing with permitting environmental and construction is not something carriers are looking to do mm -hmm. and you know other resources and and factors come into play but once they once they go through all of that, we realize that they're usually not in a position uh, to put their own chargers in or it's very limited. Power and energy obviously is another big part of that. So the grid energy in that particular uh, area, as well as their panel power on site, uh, those are other huge factors. So at the end of the day, they don't have a lot of options. Um, so they're very quickly interested in a dedicated charging solution that we're bringing to the table. Then we transition over to the trucks, a little bit more fun, I guess, there. And I do try to educate them on uh, various aspects of the trucks, um, mm -hmm. the different options there, and start to educate and teach them on what a kilowatt hour is, how long it takes to charge, the variables to that, how to kind of calculate for range. So it's really an educational process, something I really enjoy that I have learned and now I can teach, but I'm also learning from uh, my customers and carriers every day too, as they ask great questions and share some of their own uh, thoughts and learnings. And it's, it's just an ongoing journey for all of us together. Well, and it's interesting. I think a lot of people were probably very excited when you said you were handing out free trucks. Uh, that sounds like a great podcast party favor. Uh, but <laughs> as with anything, you know, the devil is always in the details. And when you start thinking about the details of the infrastructure and the understanding, and that's not even getting into regulations or environmental concerns. It's really a system that's being implemented versus swapping out one type of fuel for another or one piece of logistics equipment for another. Now, how has that played into the business model that Forum Mobility has in place, where it's you know not just trucks, free or not, uh, but it's also looking at the overall system that needs to make it work. Um, what is it that people need to know about that making the transition to zero emissions more viable? Yeah, I mean, that's why forum mobility, forum mobility exists, actually, is because of that need. Uh, our company saw that need uh, starting two or three years ago or more and basically started to put a team together and obviously develop investment funds that we've been very successful at doing um, to make sure that we could execute on that. And we saw the drayage market, at least as a geographical market, especially as the what we felt was the most appropriate to, to support and would be yeah. the best 
initial part of that journey. So we, we cater to the Draymond uh, of California currently the most, um, but we do have a lot of asset heavy BCOs and other national carriers very interested in what we're doing because at the end of the day, it's location, location, location. So even though we are focused on the port to distribution corridor, figure about 50 miles from major ports, uh, which services the port drayage and intermodal rail drayage communities very well, um, it also often does cater to other carriers and other asset heavy BCOs. So we saw that need, we're looking to fill it. Uh, we, we stay hyper-focused on it. We try to stay very um, clear in our, in our endeavor and our business and strategic plans. Um, we try not to deviate too much from that. We get a lot of pull from different directions. We're very methodical and careful about getting our eyes off the ball when it comes yeah. to um, resources, time, money, as well as execution. We're, we're focused on following through on what we're committing to do and doing it better than anybody else and making sure it's done at the highest level. And that, that takes a really clear focused vision. And I'm really appreciative that our company has that. Now, when you think about what you've been able to do, and I certainly appreciate the fact that you're focusing on dredge, right? Especially given the infrastructure and the current equipment capabilities, that's sort of a, a sweet spot in terms of distance and, and capabilities. When you think broadly about the current supply and demand balance between carriers that are able to offer zero emission fleets, whether dredge or beyond, and then the shippers looking specifically for those carriers, what would you say the current balance or matchup between supply and demand is like? It's interesting and it's going to continue to be an interesting development. Uh, everybody's trying to crystal ball that and see where it's going to go. I mean, obviously the mandates here in California are pushing things obviously very hard and very fast. So there's no doubt that that is the biggest, uh, you know, compelling issue going on with the carriers and the Draymond in, in particular. So you can't get around that for sure. And that's why we're here in California doing what we're doing uh, to support primarily the drage community to begin with, because they are under those pressures. The sustainability and ESG goals, of course, as we all know, I mean, businesses globally are looking at, you know, net zero operations by 2040 to 2050, most of them. Uh, so but beyond the CARB requirements of California and other global climate initiatives, we see this transition towards sustainability and ESG going obviously in a big way. So it, it's there, um, you know, it's developing and it's gonna continue to escalate and scale rapidly, I think, because these goals are out there. And we've, we've got a pilot customer uh, that we've already been operating uh, with for over a year in the Long Beach market, and that's Height Logistics. And they, they basically have been able to develop some new accounts this year specific to their battery electric truck operations in the ports. So we've seen firsthand that there is opportunity um, for the Draymond and the carriers um, when it comes to the um, balance there of, of ESG and sustainability goals of customers. Um, I've made it clear uh, that I would not wanna pick up the phone this past year of being a slow year in the marketplace and try to call 20 customers to save them a nickel on a losing proposition. But I'd much rather call 20 customers and start talking to them about how I'm reserving trucks and charging and mm -hmm. try to find the customers that uh, 
have those ESG and sustainability goals and are going to say, yeah, I've got stakeholder and shareholder pressures and leadership pressures. We need to get something going here. Um, and I think that's going to continue to scale up and there's going to be value to the trucks. Um, in a soft year, it's been a little more challenging to, to jumpstart that more in 23. Um, but I think it's uh, it's on its way and it's going to continue to scale. And we've seen again uh, through Height Logistics, we've been able to see and promote the fact that they've been able to develop new business mm -hmm. uh, specifically because they have better electric trucks in operation. Well, and it's interesting that example that you give because it sort of brings this idea back to what is the role or responsibility of all the companies in the chain versus just simply the carriers and logistics providers. Clearly, even asking questions or being very specific about demand, being associated with zero emissions vehicles, that's all going to start to drive this transition. And of course, which fuels the infrastructure spread around it. If a carrier like Height Logistics is considering transitioning over to zero emissions, what are some of the early things you would recommend they think about? Well, it's, it's very clear that they have to understand a few key things. Uh, one is that this doesn't have to happen overnight. So they need to calmly approach it as um, actually it is the future. They need to embrace it. They need to see the positive aspects of it. I know it's difficult at times to do that early on, but I think it's important that they realize you're going to just start the journey now, start your planning and understanding. It will take over a decade to fully transition. So that I think is important for them to realize it's not all dumping on them at one time. I sometimes equate it to flipping the switch on a new ERP or a TMS or a WMS <laughs> system. Your whole company, you know, is uprooted in one, yes. one flick. Here you're just starting about starting your journey and your transition in a smaller scale and smaller percentage of your fleet. So I think that really helps them realize that it's it's not going to be too undaunting or overwhelming. I think that they're um you know, becoming educated and starting to learn how this works. But it's also clearly been understood that you have to look at your current state of operations and a future state of operations and realize they're different and you're going to have to be flexible and you're going to have mm -hmm. to learn some new tricks along the way and figure out how this can work. And again, I love being uh, a part of that with my customers. I look forward to more of that moving forward as we start to really develop operational plans. Um, uh, you know, a couple other customers like Talon Logistics and Redefined Transportation, they were sitting down and starting to map out how they're going to actually operate these trucks. And, and some of them are already doing so. And it's a great learning experience. It's something that we can we can get on together. It is the future. So the, the best thing to do is to embrace it, start your journey, realize that most of these plans and uh, preparations take one to three years, whether you're going to put your own chargers, you're going to sign a, an agreement with someone like Foreign Mobility for dedicated mm -hmm. offsite charging, or you're going to order a truck. Everything's really at one to three years to get where you need to start going. So the sooner they start understanding that and talking about it, the better. Um, you don't want to wait till the last minute and think you're just going to flip a switch and pick up a truck at the dealership and run over and uh, secure a charger. Unfortunately, the, the demand, I think, will continue to outpace the supply in that regard. 
Well, and it's it's apt and back to your point about none of us would expect to flip a switch on an ERP system and have it magically work. We sort of go in knowing it's not going to work and we accept that phase of time of adjustment and implementation and change management and all of those fun things. But I also appreciate what you've shared about education and learning, right? That the journey doesn't necessarily even start with investment and understand it starts with learning enough to ask good questions and start to think through how that transition will be managed and supported successfully. Um, Ron, as we start to wrap up the conversation, I wanna bring you into a tradition we have here at The Sourcing Hero. Every guest, their first time on the show goes through this part of the conversation. So I have two questions I'm going to give you. You can answer either one, and I promise there is no such thing as a wrong answer. So your choices are, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or if you'd like to look at it a little bit more broadly, how would you define heroism in a business context? Yeah, you know, specific to, I love the second question uh, probably more, but specific to you and your podcast and, and your goals here, I would have to say that uh, sourcing is where it all starts and you're setting yourself up for success uh, by sourcing the right products and services, working with the right companies, the right people. And I think if you uh, are a sourcing hero, if you make sure that you start at the best spot in the sourcing mm -hmm. world, the rest of the the rest of the supply chain and the business model and the strategy and the business planning all come in uh, after that. And they basically work that much better and you have that much more success, efficiency and profitability if you start with a sourcing hero. So I think that that's a great, um, a great question, a great endeavor and a great, you know, example of what you're trying to do and promote. I think it's important to realize that it all starts at the source. Absolutely. Well, and I think that perspective on starting in the right place with effective sourcing, that will go right through the ears directly to the hearts of, of the audience listening into this conversation. For anybody that has met you today, is maybe new to the idea of zero emissions, is just starting to learn about this transition, what is the best way for people to reach out and connect with you or get in touch? Well, of course, we uh, we have our company website, which is forummobility.com. Uh, we have some great investment uh, supporters as well that you can you can learn about. Um, of course, I have my own LinkedIn under Ron A. Hunt. I've also um, got my own email address at ron.hunt at forummobility.com. And beyond that, you know, if people want to learn a little bit more, if they uh, search online, for forum mobility and especially uh, entwined with height logistics, there is a lot of media. I think we started last year with a Bloomberg article and ended the year on a New York Times article. There's uh, pages and pages of um, media out there to learn more about our company, um, our pilot project with, with height and a little bit more about our investment um, partners as well. And yeah, beyond that, I uh, look forward to hearing from people and seeing what I can do to help uh, answer their questions and uh, evaluate their business model and see if I can provide any uh, support and solutions to them. And we look forward to seeing that rendering turn into a reality. Next time we talk, maybe there'll actually be vehicles moving around back there, um, all running on that charging network. Ron, thank you so much for your time and for being with me today. 
Thanks so much. Yeah, hopefully next time it's a live shot. We'll see if we can do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate Take care. Time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.